Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Mid-Off, because my midway through, the technology will probably fall apart and you'll probably want to switch off. I'm your host, <laughs> Ross. Let me introduce the team. The boy from the wrong side of the tracks come good. Welcome, David. Ross, thank you. Lovely to be here. I'm glad as we approach episode 100, um, you know, we finally worked out the uh, the chinks in our technological armour. <laughs> um, I've also got an apology uh, off the top that I, I want to read out uh, from us as a podcast group. So um, introduce the other two and then I'll crack on with it. Okay, a man who said Shane Watson modelled his game on. Welcome, Michael. Hello, gents. Australia's number one Dan Christian fan and our guru. Welcome, Alex. Hi, guys. I'm looking forward to this episode because we don't have a rundown sheet at all, so anything can happen. Chaos ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today, we're in the triangle in Frederick Harold Sock Company Studios. This is a tight ship production brought to you by our broadcast partners for 2019. Roger David, the dot-com boom, antioxidants, omega-3, fast bat speeds, high bat grips, low full tosses, the block hole, Keeping your shape. Chris and Murray's plant farm. Sultans of Sting. Bjorn again. Big Levers. John Hastings story. Bowling on leg, hoping for singles. The Adam Zampa story. And don't forget our merchandise on Redbubble. And check out the hats and the Mark off. Over to you, David. Yep. So uh, I was approached by our sharp legal minds here at Mid Off HQ uh, as I was working away at the desk that I share with Mick in our Jolly Mon office. Um, she approached us with a letter uh, and she said. Um, look, please stop having your mail sent to me. I, I don't work for you and you don't pay me. So, uh, as she, she walked off, um, I opened up the letter uh, from a well-known hot water service provider uh, and it read the following. Dear Mid-Off Cricket Podcast, here at Name Redacted, we love talking shit about cricket as much as the next hot water service provider. One of the things we love to argue about here at Name Redacted headquarters is whether Steve Wall was the most selfish cricketer ever to play the game or whether Shane Warne is just a whinging old prick. We've decided that Shane is more likely to promote our services, uh, having to need to be nude to shower, uh, so Steve was indeed the most selfish cricketer ever. <laughs> one thing we don't like, and one thing we don't like doing, is having our name plastered across a podcast that only a few people listen to. And by a few, we mean two blokes in England and a bloke in Australia who claims to hate the podcast but listens every week. <laughs> You've locked us in with Ansat Australia, Sanity, Brashes and a myriad of other companies who have gone under since being named on your podcast. We now send this warning to you. Please refrain from mentioning our name again on the podcast or we'll be taking you to court for damages to our brand. <laughs> you may have Cam Borges on board, but you don't have us. Yours in cricket and hot water... Name redacted. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, so there you have it. It seems we've mentioned a company that still functions, uh, which goes against mm. everything that this podcast stands for, obviously, yeah. uh, except for, obviously, Fred Hardrick's company studios, yeah. uh, a company whom you should definitely pour your hard-earned money into, given the absolute quality of the product they provide. Absolutely, Australian uh, cotton. That's it. It's like walking on clouds when you put those wonderful bad boys on your oh, feet, yeah. Guinea. Yeah. Uh, I'm not being paid to say this, but I just like them. Um, so this is our first and probably only apology on the podcast. Name Redacted does not in any way support this podcast <laughs> or the views expressed within, especially about showering with wicker chairs after a series victory. <laughs> uh, with that out of the way, Ross, we can get on with the show. Cool. And there's that first chink in our uh, technological armor. <laughs> so while we're waiting for Ross, why don't we talk about... 
Virat yes, Kohli oh, very and good. Misbar Thank Punch. You. Great to hear. Fantastic that, um, ad about action correspondence, David. No, you're welcome. Uh, and yeah, Alex, you're right. Um, yeah. Talking about plug-in products, as I've just so succinctly done with the Federal Herald yes. Sock Company Studios. Yes. Um, yeah, shocking. What an absolute oh. fucking mare. Oh. How much money do you need? <laughs> They must have got a lot of money. I can understand risk by a punt, right? He's not on like 10 million a year no. or more, which is what Virat's on, just for playing cricket. Who yes. knows what Virat's doing in the other acne companies that he's not singing a weird song about painting the town red. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, and you raised a good point, didn't you, Mick? It's like the entire Indian team, or at least Rispar, needs per, uh, permission from Virat to paint the town red. Yeah, yeah, they're not allowed... <laughs> No one, no one in Indian cricket is allowed to go out on the town until Virat gives their skin the once over and says it's okay to go out in public. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely not if you have stupidly like cartoonish pimples on your face that obviously yeah. are not there. Talk about yeah. working for your dollars though. Fair dick, it's not like you know, um, yes. Tubby, Australia's favourite air. It's and not you just nice get paid. Yeah, you do yeah. fuck all. You just say one catchphrase and you get paid for it. <laughs> They're out there dancing their asses off for you know, fuck all money, I assume. So, just a quick update for our colleague $24 million is his net worth, according to Google. That is Rissa Apart, $1.2 million is his net update. I think Rissa Apart number is correct. I think Virat's hiding some stuff in the cabins. No, no, can't, it has to be worth more than that. Well, that's what we've got, unless that's just for... Oh, no. That is not net worth. So, look, you know, properties they know of, businesses yeah, they yeah. know of. And it's Google, so it's not exactly... Um, you know, it's not going to be the 100% accurate yeah, because yeah. you can just fucking put anything. You know that with Wikipedia more Absolutely. than anyone. And mm. Crick Info. And Crick yeah, Info. Info, info about Crick. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's true, because, like, you know... Toby Taylor mispronounces plasma vision and gets paid fucking <laughs> well, five Dave Warner sits on a couch and yeah. just talks about... OLED, the black is the black, yeah, yo, yeah, it's the black. The colours are colourful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the black is blacker and the colours are colour. The yellow is the most yellow I've ever yellowed in my vivid. life. Vivid. Oh, he wouldn't say vivid, because yeah. fucking... He could, he'd say, like, vivid or something. <laughs> fuck yeah. like. Beep that. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, but yeah, a whole song and a rap thing, oh... Oh, it was cringeworthy. Half in English, half isn't. It's almost as cringeworthy as England clearing the first World Cup hurdle. They released the tournament song. Ooh. I think only in England do World Cups have a song. Yeah. yeah My favourite was thing. the one sung by Sheep. I think it was a soccer World Cup, Ross. Oh, well, yeah, ours is always Great Southern Land, obviously. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> always. No need to choose one. It's already been chosen for us. Yeah. existing. Great Southern yeah. yeah. So the artists who put together the song uh, called Stand By is uh-huh. Lauren, spelt all capitals, L-O-R-Y-N, and it's Lauren yep. featuring Rudimental. Oh, yes. Oh. Rudimental is a uh, hip-hop or rap artist, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it? Do they have some sort of shit, shit story behind it, Ross, where they go, oh, we feel like this captures the imagination of a cricket-loving public. Um, yeah. You've you know, got all that. Would you like me like to that? tell uh, you some of it? Yeah. But they had oath I would. <laughs> they had Andrew Flintoff at the launch, and he said, usually World Cup <laughs> songs, uh, they're not that good, are they? Let's be honest. But this is a proper song. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it was glorious 
Lee faint praise for Lauren, a Canadian newcomer whose existing knowledge of cricket was such that she had been forced to Google Flintoff prior to their joint appearance and ignore most of the first ream of search terms. There you go. (laughs) Yes. It is clear from the first airing of Standby that the tune, or tune, as the Cricket World Cup organisers hope it would come to be known, was an admirably self-confident offering with big bass, fat beats with a capital PH, and a funky brass section that would be perfectly capable of holding its own had a global tournament not sidled along to offer a leg up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's got me going. Well, then why didn't they put it out any time? Why now? Just a coincidence. If it's going to be a good song anyway, why would you make money off it? Yeah. Can we well, get a little bit of it? Let's see, see if I can get some of it. Ooh. Oh, you see, Lauren and you Rudimental are big names because Rudimental's already shifted more than two million, two million albums since 2011. In oh, an era it's when apparently. After this. Yeah, yeah when Please, apparently. Please, Virat Kohli sold two million no copies one, of that Acne song. <laughs> and all of this in an era uh, when no one apparently pays for music. Whatever the fate of this particular project and Death by a Thousand Montages would be my best guess, they have a contemporary street cred that will crack on regardless, even if most of the kids oh, in my hood have long since moved on to the drill singer, Unknown T, with his baritone <laughs> underground stylings and a curious love of spinach. One to watch for the oh, 2039 fuck. event, maybe. Oh, yeah. No. What have we got here? Yep. Perfect sound quality that for this is podcast. Fucking mate. rubbish. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, it feels like I got rejected from your yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, just it's timely, isn't it, that it was uh, Eurovision weekend? Yeah. Anyway, there you go. It's out there. You can listen to it. Their hope is that um, it's a better launch day than the 1999 song because they launched that the day after England got knocked out of the World Cup. It was during the World (laughs) Cup they released the song. What? (laughs) Which um, links nicely into a little bit of uh, nostalgia, David. When we go back to... Yeah, we go back to the 99 World Cup. Wow. Yeah. So one of the highlights of the 1999 World Cup was the opening ceremony. Uh, it was an overcast, oh. rainy day, and during the day they set off fireworks. Oh, day fireworks, my <laughs> yeah, daytime favorite. fireworks. You could actually what see them though because it was so overcast. Was. Yeah. And um, the only issue was the smoke wouldn't clear, so it was like a it looked like a civil war reenactment, and they just stand around in smoke for twenty minutes. And also, I heard the Australians were wearing slouch hats, so it was really a civil war reenactment. PTSD, <laughs> Steve Moore. Uh, the talking of that, I see the current team went via Gallipoli to get to England. Yeah, oh, yeah. my Instagram it's feed littered with just fucking photos upon photos. I need to start culling some Australian cricket team members. Can you just get the same shit over and over again? I think the Australian cricket team needs to start culling. <laughs> One word caption, respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Like, Good like, to do like, this with my brothers. <laughs> yeah. I get, you know, okay, they can go there and I get the significance of it and why they try to do it. But the thing that got me the most is I think, like, there was a quote from Pat Cummins saying that, you know, when we're in the tournament and we're, you know, having a hard time with the battle of the ball, 
Hopefully we can draw on what we've learned here and channel the spirit of the Anzac. <laughs> These were 18-year-old kids getting their fucking heads blown off, Pat. They weren't playing fucking cricket. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. And so he's going to channel some spirit of New Zealand cricket team as well. Oh, both okay, New Zealand. But like, how do you like, you got some poor fucking 18-year-old schmuck who's been drafted into this, he's fucking been put on a boat, shipped over there, runs up the beach, gets 15 metres into the fucking hard land, and gets his head blown off. It's got nothing to do with cricket, Patrick, you fucking idiot. If you're thinking about, if you're bowling shit and you're thinking about standing on a beach in Turkey <laughs> in peacetime, you're thinking about the wrong shit. Yeah. <laughs> you should be thinking about hitting the top of off or hitting the fucking elusive block hole. Yeah, or Ibiza or something, something like a better place on the beach. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, fist pumping. Yeah, I know. Yeah, full mood party, Thailand yeah. style. Yeah. There's a bit of sizzle. There's some sizzle. Ooh, Thailand style. <laughs> Sizzles. Anyway, oh, Thailand yes. so, so getting back to the 99 World, 99 World Cup. Uh, it was decided to start the tournament on May 14, desperately early in the English season. Not surprisingly, it began in drizzle with a quite pathetic opening Ooh. ceremony. The Australian hired as <laughs> tournament director Michael Browning specifically rejected the idea of one of those grandiloquent ceremonies that start Olympic Games, making old ladies gasp with admiration and hardened hacks groan. Instead, he went for the worst possible compromise, letting off a few cheap-looking fireworks and forcing several poor schoolgirls to stand around the cold. The one simple, dignified, appropriate oh, piece of ceremonial which should have been used, the 12 teams lining up in their blazers in front of the pavilion, was not. This was sad as well as stupid. There was no public moment and all the players involved were even seen to be part of the same event. Oh, not enough pomp, that's what I'm hearing. Oh, just a yeah. little slap around the but face there. why do there. we even fucking need one? Well, that's a very good point. Yeah. It's a cricket yes. tournament, it's not the fucking Olympics. Go fuck yeah. yourself, cricket. Mm. Well, the... Pakistani Super League has an opening ceremony. Oh, that's true. That is absolutely fucking ball-tearing. Year after year. Yeah, but that's the thing. They they know how to do it properly, so you don't mind that. Yeah, fucking oath. That's cultural. Mwah is what that is. Just getting every big-name pop star under the... Nick of the eyes out of it, aren't they? Just just unable to get there due to plane malfunctions. Oh, that's just one. I would turn them... International acts away from the person. Yes. Yes. Got too many. Got pitbull. Oh, he's not coming. Can, oh shit! The plane broke down. <laughs> he forgot to put petrol in his plane. Yeah. Right, Have so gas. Mate. Winding back the clock to some traditions you may have forgotten about. The old English custom of running on the field at the end of a match, or sometimes earlier, returned oh, with yes. gusto in '99. Australia was spooked by this early on and demanded greater protection, and no one in authority seemed clear where guidelines should be drawn. There was much mockery of the Trent Bridge authorities at the New Zealand-India match for their undue strictness. Yet India's previous match at Old Trafford had taken place amid fears of full-scale warfare when they were playing Pakistan at the time. Um, It passed calmly, but the next Old Trafford match, the semi-final between Pakistan and New Zealand, where a pitch invasion nearly led to disaster. Pakistani supporters were the most enthusiastic wearers of replica shirts. It was not helpful to the forces of order that their lime green looked rather like the stewards' uniform. Oh, Oh. I thought they were going to say they couldn't tell who was playing and who wasn't. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. Um, Only you'd go there. Yeah. The security accidentally shot Shah Bakhtar. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, the bearded Pakistani cheerleader Abdul Jalil was by the end of the competition more recognisable than Steve Waugh. There you go. No, he wasn't. Okay. <laughs> Bold statement. <laughs> Mick, no, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, Alex, there's a good point to segue to 
I think just prior to the 99 World Cup, Australia were in the West Indies and they had a bit of crowd trouble too. You were just... Uh, oh. Down, you went down the YouTubes watched, with Alex a little while ago. Yeah, went down the YouTube rabbit hole and ended up <clears throat> in one borough that had... That's good. In one borough that had... <laughs> I forget who was bowling and off he was bowling the last over of the day, which... Steve Wall was facing and ended up wasn't Carl Hooper facing all no no Carl Hooper wasn't left arm anyway Steve Wall ended up facing all the balls and then six to win and off he was bowling the last over of the day Um, Steve Wall ended up needing three off the last ball no four sorry and he smashed it down to deep long on and piss bolted to run three or a four ended up Went down one end, tapped in, ran back. By the time he'd run back to the other end of the pitch, the people were on the cre- on the ground ripping out stumps. And there was someone trying to steal Steve Waugh's cricket bat. Yeah, like he's correctly. just sort of waiting around real pissed off, which yeah. I loved. I thought it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and one bloke just smashes into him, like piss-bolting past him. He gets real angry. And then one bloke tries to grab his bat and he loses his shit. <laughs> I just laughed. And it's like, imagine that happening now. Like, it would be... Absolutely crazy. There's 400 people just running around, not really, you know, paying too much attention to the players other than trying to nick his bat. But, yeah, pretty chaotic. Yeah. That's why uh, they end up making the bats appetite. bigger, so they were harder to carry and harder to steal. Keith Arthurton was the bowler. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. You just he was going to be the world's greatest all-rounder there for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Someone forgot started, to tell him. He started his career like with an absolute bang. I think he hit tons in his first couple of games or something like that. He was a superstar in about 96 when he made his debut. But then it tailed off very quickly. Quicker than Jimmy Adams tailed off. That's how quick it was. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a tie, that game. Oh. oh, so they got their three in the end. Uh, oh, no, I think the um, the authorities just said tie. Due to the circumstances. Oh, because we didn't know whether we could run back for the third run. No, I just found it was amazing how quickly. They must have just piss-bowled as soon as the bloke let go of the ball to bowl it to Steve Waugh. Mm. So mm. quick, pretty quick to get out to the centre of the ground at the time it takes a bloke to run the two. Oh, they didn't give a fuck, did they? they as soon as that ball came out there, they were gone. They were on. Yes. <laughs> okay, back to 99. The, the 21 grounds staged the 42 fixtures. But they were slow to recognise the importance of the Asian audience. Few, for instance, made any changes to their catering arrangements when Asian teams were involved. The Australia versus Scotland match, however, smashed the record for bar takings at Worcester. It was easy to get a sandwich, but the queue for a beer stretched halfway to Birmingham. (laughs) 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 Okay, all county headquarters stage at least one match, which meant there were debut one-day internationals for Hove and Northampton. Canterbury and Cardiff, plus Chesterley Street. So that was 18 venues, plus there were three non-county grounds, Edinburgh, Dublin, and Amstelveen in Holland. So oh, they took it far and wide in 99. Dirk Nannis' home ground. Yeah, that's it. The home away from home for Dirk. Dirk Nannis home away from uh, many matches could have attracted bigger crowds on bigger grounds. Pakistan versus Bangladesh at Northampton could have been sold out three times over. Uh, there you go. Good. Mm. <laughs> Not really too much of a talking point there because uh, there wasn't a bigger ground in yes, the country. So night, uh, night cricket could have been tried but was unnecessary since there were so few empty seats at any of the fixtures. Uh, yeah, so there you go. 
In this regard, all the problems were those of success. <laughs> <laughs> He's writing this shit, bro. Oh, I'm fucking not me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not our man George Dobell. Yes, no. Uh, they, they once again mentioned that starting early on May the 14th, which must be why this tournament starts at the 28th of May or 30th of May, whatever it does, mm. it was an unnecessary risk because at 37 days the whole thing went on too long. In Britain, there are yes. no long distances to travel. It would have been perfectly possible with just a little compression to have cut it down to 30 days. Oh, there you go. It's funny the things they were talking about 20 years ago, which we're still talking about. Mm. Well, you're still talking about it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Even 30 days seems too much. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Soccer World Cup fits just into 30, I think, or 28, 30. Yeah. And it's got 32 got teams. teams yeah. They've got to clean up flares and shit, though, don't forget. Yeah. So. Oh, just like with the way TV now is with digital channels and multiple, you know, like it's not like the old days where, like, you know, yeah. Channel 4 only has Channel 4. Channel 4 has like seven Channel 4 yeah. affiliates. So, why can't you play two games on one day? Yeah. Press red for a game you actually want to fucking yeah. watch. That's it's interesting, it. in the last <laughs> World Cup, there was a day where there wasn't a game, which was bizarre. Yeah, so that's, that's so crazy. There was, there was one day in the middle of the tournament where there wasn't a game. This year, oh, once in a lifetime, that type of Yeah, that type of shit. Ah. This year, there's a, a game every day, but there's only two on the Saturdays during the group stage, and I think one other Wednesday. So each Saturday there's two games, a day game and a night game, and then I think one other, one Wednesday during the three or four weeks or so. Mm. Yeah. so it's, a bit, it's a bit odd. I don't get it. There's only a handful of day-night games being played in this tournament as well. I think that's because it lines up with um, TV times in India better if they're day games in England. Oh, yeah. 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 It also lines up better in Australia, not that that matters one little bit. Yeah. Not, not to us. No. We're fucking hardened fans. We'll be up. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I don't care if the game starts at midnight. I'll be up. Yeah, it looks just like it's a game in the West Indies. I'll be there. Yeah. That's right. Bloody oath you will be, Ross. Same no. here. Yeah. Not you. Yeah, I won't be. <laughs> not <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Uh, uh, so in other parts of the um, uh, things comparing to the 96 World Cup the uh, established pattern of pinch order pinch order top order pinch hitters was turned upside down heroes became zero seventh Jaya Saria dominant figure in the previous World Cup scored 82 in five matches Uh, and nice. Arjuna, Arjuna Renatunga, their captain of Sri Lanka, paid with his job for their failings. <laughs> England never resolved the all-rounder question, which has bedeviled them since Ian Botham's retirement. Andrew Flintoff and Adam Holyoke failed to enhance their credentials as batsmen or bowlers. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. Holyoke, yes. I've got a little question for you, Ross. Whilst yes. researching the 1999 Cricket World Cup. Yes. Who do you think took the most wickets in that tournament? It was, it was no, no. It was um, yes. a bloke from bloke from New Zealand, the left armer, who's absolute yes. no name, like Nathan Arlott or something like that. Nathan uh, Jeff. Jeff Jeff Allott. Jeff Allott. Never oh, heard of him before. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jeff Allott. Yeah, yeah. He's a left armer. He's you know New Zealand back in the way back. They had blokes like um, Gavin Larson and Chris Cairn, not Chris Cairns, Chris Harris, who just bowl. Just absolute yep. medium pace slow, like 112 k's Bonners. an hour. And that's how they won one-day games. Well, he was like a throwback to that. 
but he got the Duke's ball swinging around at about 115 ah. k's an hour. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Duke's? The Duke, Duke's? yeah. And that was... That so was when you play an old bloke in fucking third grade with a two-piece and just fucking yeah. lose it. <laughs> swinging around corners. Yeah. You might remember this from the very early on in the um, uh, tournament. Uh, Bob Woolmer, the South African coach, was forced to abandon his plans after a few overs. He had Hansi Cronier with an earpiece uh, out on the ground. That's right, he did too. South Africa were uh, stuck to their methods. Athletic fielding, fierce if spin-free bowling and all-round batting efficiency. The most feared batsman of the tournament, marching in at eight or nine, was, of course, Lance Klusner. That's it. Good to see him stick to their method of choking in a big final too. That was yes, good. that was good. Yeah, yeah. Might have begun the choking. That yes. So, we've um, gone to a quiz question now. Oh, okay. I thought we were yes. doing one. So, <gasps> this is what happens when you have no running sheet. Yeah, that's it. The quiz question is: you probably know, and David will know the uh, all eleven in the lineup at the in the final for Australia. So, of course, there's a 15-man party. Who were the four in the party who missed out playing? Uh, Tom Moody was No, one. he played. Oh, he, he played, played Tom Moody. He came he in about yeah. halfway through the tournament and locked in at number That's seven. Yeah. The alcohol ban, he fixed that, remember? By oh, getting shit-faced and they, and they won. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. So the tournament, Steve Ball had an alcohol ban. What oh, a fuck, yeah, And Tom yeah, Moody's yeah. gone to him and said, this is a working pal. Um, yeah, we yeah. need to get back on the piss and start with the game. So. They were both in the squad in the 87 World Cup, but Moody yes. didn't play in the final in 87, but he did play in 99. Okay, um, 99. Um, Adam Dale? Yes, good get, Mick. Adam Dale was yeah. um, one of the 15. Didn't play in the final. Uh, there'd be a batsman in there, wouldn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's a spare batsman. Yep, spare batsman. Who? Martin? Yes, Damien Martin. Yep. Uh, yeah, because he played in the Super 6 game against South Africa because uh, Lehman couldn't play. Uh, I think that was his uh, only game of the tournament. He was the backup bat. Mm. Andy Bickle? <laughs> Andy Bickle, no, no, and it is another bowler though, another fast bowler. You're right. Was Paul Rifle right, or was I not right? Paul Rifle played. Oh, did he in the final? Yep. Yeah. Did Brendan Julian play in the bowler. final? Oh, Brendan Julian. There you go. He was the backup, right other backup bowler. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there so, so what are we missing? A backup keeper. There was the all rounder that Tom Moody replaced. No, there was no backup uh, keeper. Yeah. Ian Harvey. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't Ian Harvey. Close though. Oh, the fuck. same sort of genre. Yeah. Uh, Richard Cheekway. Oh, very close. Ah. Very close. Teammate in about the same round the middle as Cheekway. Shane Lee. Shane oh, Lee. Shane, Shane Lee. Lee. Just yeah. Shane Lee. Really? <laughs> yes. What was the actual bowling line up there? So it was Rifle. Fleming. Fleming. Yep. Warren. McGrath. Yes. McGrath. Yep. And then Moody was the fifth one. Yep. Moody. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. So Tom Moody had heaps of experience playing in England um, because and he played county cricket for, for ten years, yeah, and he batted at seven. Fat ass too. Yeah. And he didn't jump in his bowling stride; he just sort of kept running in his arms and yeah. kissed the deck. I always he, thought Tom. He, I always thought Tom Moody was a bowler who could bat, but no, he was a top order batsman who bowled a bit. 
The only, yeah, yeah. belted people. Mm. Anyway, so here's the 11 that Australia won the World Cup with. It was Mark Waugh and Adam Gilchrist, Ricky Ponting, Darren Lehman, Steve Waugh, Michael Bevan, Tom Moody. Then we had the Rifle, Warren, Fleming and McGrath. Yeah. How did they fit Fleming into those stupid posters about this is war, war has been declared, you've been war, don't get my rifle. <laughs> Let's go Fleming. <laughs> Let's go Fleming. I don't know, how did they fit him in? Because you can fit just about everyone else in that lineup. I don't know, man. I couldn't tell you, to be honest. No, I don't know. Interesting point there, no backup keeper. I wonder if Gilly had gone down, who would have kept yeah. in that team? Would have been Damien Martin. Martin. Damien Martin, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Would have been someone played in England they could have grabbed, didn't they? Or can't you do that? Anymore? Yeah, I think you can, but if he busted a finger on the morning of the match, I think. Yeah, yeah, David Martin. Yeah, would have been. Yeah. I know how you do it, Gin. I know how you do it with the Damien Fleming thing. You'd, instead yeah. of flaming, you'd use Fleming. So you go, Fleming, hell, we're going to win this war. Good <laughs> oh, <laughs> The old phlegm thrower. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Yeah. I've got it I've got it for you our bats are Fleming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our bats are so hot they're Fleming <laughs> yeah, good. who were the umpires in the um, World Cup final that oh, year uh, the umpire who Steve the umpires? Buckner umpire Morgan Freeman yes. was he there Umpire Morgan Freeman, yes. Uh, Daryl Hare. No. No, Big Dave uh, Shepard. Big fatty Dave yeah, Shepard. Yes, Big Dave O'Shepard. Dave Shepard, the Shepard. Big Dave Shepard. The pie. Uh, and who was on the red and green lights as they were back in the day? The, do you remember that? How they used oh, to who was the third? Cut to the, no. cut to the, the best referee? Yeah. Let me get those for you, boys. No, I'll get back to you. I imagine no it was... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the bloody guys. Now. You don't know anyone. Daryl Hare, Daryl Harper, Peter Parker, Umpire Spider Man. Umpire Spider Man. TV was Umpire Venkat. Oh, Venkat Travigan. Yes. And match referee, Ranjan Madagali. Still going at that job 20 years later. Jobs for the boys. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Good job security. He would, have, anyway. he would have enjoyed having the heater on that day, I would have thought. Anyway, oh, there you go. All very good. Uh, a great tournament. They had the Super Sixes, two groups of six, and then the top three qualified for the Super Six stage before the semifinals. Possibly the best structure ever in a World Cup, in my humble opinion. Yeah, it was a pretty good tournament. Yeah. Although, and wasn't there a bit of funny buggers going on with people going into yeah, the next round? So. yes. So if you beat, say, Australia and New Zealand went through and New Zealand had beaten Australia, they got to take those points with them? Yes. Yes, because they'd already so, so played them. So Australia slowed the, down against the West Indies. That's right. And wanted to the beat them. to try and get yeah, them out. Yeah. Beat them but keep them in so they'd take the points because yeah. they'd lost to New Zealand and Pakistan who were in their group. Yeah. Mm. Interesting one. Yeah, that, so it was um, pretty lucky to get through, losing to... They were fucked, yeah, mate. Like, yeah. After the first, I think, three or four games, they, they, I think they beat Scotland. They beat Scotland, but then they, then they lost to yeah. New Zealand, and they lost to Pakistan. Yep. And, and they had to win seven in a row to win the cup, is that right? Yep, from that's it. Yep. And so New Zealand and Pakistan went through to the Super Sixes, so they were way down the bottom of the Super Sixes yes, from the start. Yes, yes. And um, then we... It's interesting that three of the four semi-finalists came from the same group, Australia's group. 
Australia, group, New Zealand, Pakistan. Group of life. Mm. Group, of, yeah. group of life, yeah. Not group of death. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you remember the tactic that um, was employed at the start of the tournament that Australia abandoned shortly after? They made a few team changes, changed their personnel around a little yep. bit from the first two or three games. Got rid of the dead weight of Shade Lee. Sandpaper? Yeah. <laughs> so they had, in the first couple of games, they had... Um, Adam Dale and I think it was Damien Fleming opening the bowling and Glenn oh, McGrath coming on right. first change. And they, yes. they changed that up. They ditched they Dale. But the main Back thing was that they switched Glenn McGrath back to taking the new ball. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah that seems a weird decision to yeah. not have him opening. Yeah. It's because the Duke's yeah, ball was swinging was so swing. much. Yeah. yeah. You think that's a weird decision. I read... On the internet the other day, Alex. Wow. <laughs> on the internet? Yeah. They have that on the internet on computers yeah. now. Oh, yeah. It was on the Cricket Australia <laughs> website yeah, on the internet. Ooh. Where they yeah. said that Langer w- was considering... W- Langer was considering holding back, uh, I think it was Stark, to bowl in the middle yeah. overs rather than the opening overs because Australia, you know, taking wickets in the middle overs is a key data metric for keeping the scores down. Oh, of course. You need yeah. the data metric. Yeah. You know what Langer should, you know should also consider? Yeah. Fucking off. Yeah. So who's going to open? Maxwell. Yeah. yeah. Maxwell yeah. and Zampa. Beach and Maxwell open the bowl. And the batting. Yeah. No data metrics for the first 10. Though. You know what's better, better, though? The... Like, you know what's better than taking like three wickets in the first 10 overs? Taking three wickets in the next 10 Yeah, <laughs> so when they're number 150, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what you want to do. Yeah. That's when you want to get wickets when yeah, they're number 150. Because that's what the data metrics say. Yeah. That's right. So it's about getting wickets at the yeah. top end. It's about getting yeah. wickets the, in the middle order. What the order. pie chart says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in Justin Langer's defence, you cannot chase 500 if you don't let the other team make 500. Yeah. Uh, but a good point. Can't break records that doing that. Can't break records getting people out for two twenty. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes. All right. So I think that um, brings to a close a little trip down memory lane. I'd like the uniforms in '99. They were good. I thought. Yeah, they were good. They were better good. than '96. They were fucking shocking. '96. Yeah, they were pretty ordinary. And orange bars on them. It was just weird. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yes, that's right. Now I would be I still like '92. Yeah. Yes. Oh, 92 was good. It would be remiss of me, yeah, David, um, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention a couple of final facts about 1999. Um, yeah, what happened in 99? Yeah, so I'll just... Well, obviously Y2K was on everyone's mind, right on the tip of everyone's oh. tongue, and Australia might have won the yeah. last ever World Cup if that came to fruition. Once in a lifetime, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. you'd watched the previous World Cup, then it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, Australia decided to not become a republic. Presumably, after the highs of winning the World Cup in England, we couldn't bring ourselves to sever ties with the motherland. That's mm-hmm. spot on. We got an affinity with the, the motherland after winning that World Cup, so. Right. Yeah. Good. I'm glad I read those things you emailed me, read them out. That was good. Yep. Yeah, I thought they were good at the time, but they yeah. really fell flat. Maybe it was your delivery. <laughs> no, I think it was the Maybe it was the delivery, <laughs> yeah. I think it was the delivery. So it wasn't my research, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're getting silly. Okay. Uh, it's now time to head over to Alex for something. 
<laughs> for something. All right, um, I'm going to thank uh, Jesse Bilkey for uh, inspiring this segment. Uh-huh. Um, I asked him for some inspiration on what I, what I should do in the corner with Alex. Um, and he's like, oh, maybe some cool local grounds, maybe possibly even haunted cricket grounds. Okay. We should talk about if there is any... You know, it's a niche market, isn't it? Very, very <laughs> niche. It's a niche market within this niche market podcast, which is in a niche market of podcasts. Like a babushka doll, you It say. is, yeah. Inception of niches. So the next niche is like 50 niche. times the niche of the one before it. So we're like 250 niches in at the moment. <laughs> or 50 squared, Ross. <laughs> Right. Cool. All right, I'll move on. So um, I think they've been... We've spoken about this recently. Um, there's a couple of, like, the famous haunting stories based around oh, cricket, yeah, and yeah. that's the Langham in 2014 with our mate Stu Broad. Um, they're sta- staying with um, Matthew Pryor, I guess, because he's called Matt Pryor, I'll say his name differently. <laughs> Stu Broad felt a presence in the room. Oh, no. And he had to go and sleep in with Matt Pryor and that thing. He copped a lot of shit. So that was a well-publicised thing. And I think, Ross, you spoke about it recently. Was it Shane Watson who shit himself one day? Absolutely. Yeah. At Lobley Castle. Yeah. Oh, what a... In 2005. Shane Watson uh, stayed in... Apparently, it can't be confirmed or not, that he stayed in the same room as some chick who got tortured by priests in, like, 1762 and then thrown down a well. Oh, I thought you were going to say Moises Enriquez while listening to Spotify. <laughs> that's probably that's probably more disturbing than being thrown down a well. Spotify go along too. With me hands on me cots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time I listen to Spotify, I just watch the the song play out <laughs> on the screen because that's what songs are about. And it makes me really go sweaty and yeah. red in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love music. Oh, I love music. Oh, boys, I fucking love it. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Shane Watson. I, look, the, the quick article I read said it wasn't didn't say what he saw or anything. He just said he had to stay on the floor of Brett Lee's room because he was so scared. So well, Bigger wouldn't sign all over and let off mate. Nah, foot of the bed. Mate, there's some alphaness going there on the fucking ground. Yeah, I'm the alphas, mate. Yeah, you yeah. can the foot of me bed, please. <laughs> Lapdog style. Yeah, exactly. And apparently, the media manager for Australia. Um, she, she saw stuff as well. She said, I'm serious. I didn't. I know it sounds dumb, but I actually saw some shit last night. It's so. Kate Hutchinson. Does some good work on Twitter. Oh, this would have been 2005. She'd been long term. Yeah, she was there for a long time. Oh, she's really? not there anymore. She's in New Zealand. Oh, shit. How, do you, how the fuck do you know all this stuff? Because I, I know about Australian cricket, kid. You do. You know about... <laughs> there's two things you know about. Australian cricket and... Cantankerous nature. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I forgot his fucking name. <laughs> no, no, we'll move on. Is anyone shocked that the Australian media manager's seen some shit, but? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. She spent Probably that much time yeah, around Shane Warne. She's seen, she seen a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, okay, and I did a little bit of deep diving and I found a story about Harbourne Cricket Club in the UK where a retired groundskeeper was convinced he caught the spectre of the Reverend Edward Moses Roberts on his phone camera when taking a photo of another staff member sweeping the wicket. Was that Moses jerking off too? No. (laughs) This is ridiculous, this story. I I had a look at some of the photo. Anyway, Trevor Townsend's the name, uh, Pete's brother. <laughs> who's worked there for 16 years reported to never having seen anything like this of the kind before 
Although he's absolutely sure it's the photo of Edward Moses Roberts, who served as a vicar of St. Peter's Church in Harbin in 1858, and also watched matches close to the ground. Oh, got to be close Didn't to the ground. Didn't watch matches at the ground. No. Oh, watch so it close to uh, the ground. Okay. Every, so there's this new story on this guy. Is it, David, how would you, if I said, a bloke who's been 16 years a groundskeeper at a local cricket ground, and he's old, what do you picture in your mind? Big fat white dude. Yep, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a white beard. Yeah. And all the photos of him was like him holding his phone up, him sitting in his house, him standing out where the thing was, and in all the photos he's not neither smiling nor frowning, but he's got his mouth open. Like a gape. Just like... Oh, wow, that's fucking weird. Fucking weird. Anyway. <laughs> big bear style. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they show the photo and it's literally like different coloured leaves across the ground. So he's taken a photo across the ground and he reckons he can see this dude's face in the leaves across the ground. I like these idiots who see Jesus in like a burnt piece yeah, of toast or something. Yeah, it's not even like it looks like a humanoid figure or something Man, with like a top hat or something. Yeah. It's like a face that's like, if you walked up to it, would be like three metres tall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just a shadow on leaves. Yeah. I'm like, what the fucking idiot? I've like seen the Big Dipper in 400 different stars. <laughs> yes. Now, this moves on to a... Uh, there's a phantom story about the MCG. Oh, yes, please. Written by Stuart Moiser in the Argus. Stu. I went back into... What are they called? Uh, fish, the archives. Fill, fill a fish Trove. or something? Yeah, yeah. Trove. So what's that, mate? Microfilm. Microfish. Say that again. What? Microfish, that's it. We kept speaking at the same time. That's good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So I went over the microfishes down at, um, in the <laughs> anals, went into the, uh, into the anals of Ocean Grove Library. I went up to the top deck. I pushed that ladder thing across all the documents. And, like I was the, uh, like I was the shopkeeper Willy Wonka. Stoking your pipe. Yep. So I went up... Blew the dust off a couple of tomes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, it was just a PDF that was scanned on yeah, online. So bullshit. I found this article. Tuesday the 2nd. I wrote sir, set 2 and then RD after it. Instead of writing... <laughs> the 2nd. The 2nd of October 1950. The Phantom of the MCG. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll read. The MCG is haunted. <laughs> Haunted by a figure of a man who's seen there sometimes in the late dusk, sometimes in the late night. Always when it's raining and when ordinary people are seeking shelter or are in bed. Haunted by the lean figure figure of Bill Vantoff. And if it is still light enough to see and you peer closely, you will see through the rain that it is a worried Bill Vantoff. Oh, no. Yes, Bill Vantoff, the head curator of the MCG, the man that everything, well, a whole lot anyway, depends upon. For him, the really hard work and worry have just begun. Oh, no. He's in charge of that holiest of holies, the wicked of which a test match will begin in about five weeks' time. And not end for a hundred days, because they're shit. (laughs) (laughs) The worry of it, he said... Yesterday, as he surveyed the wicket, already harrowed, seated and top-dressed with Mary Creek black soil. Oh, it has to be Mary Creek. Yes. It's like a baby to me. It takes so much care. I often slip over here after tea when it's raining to see if the covers are all right and the irons are set properly, just to make sure the water runs away. 
I had to get up at 11 o'clock one night when the rain started to pelt down on it. The wife goes crook at me if I wake up at night <laughs> to listen to for the rain. Go to sleep, she says. The secret of it all, you ask? Just water. Plenty of water and rolling. <laughs> You've got to roll it all the time and then water it. Then roll it again to keep it hard. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Is this the first time you're reading this article, Gip? No, I wrote it out. I'm actually because I don't have a printer at home. I've written it out by hand. He's just lost it. About two days before a match, I stopped watering it. Oh no! If it's very hot, I might give it what we call an occasional shower and roll and roll it hard till it cracks. I think it's a euphemism for having a wait. (laughs) It's the big cracks you want. Yeah, the big ones. They won't shift. No. If you get little cracks, the surface comes off in flakes. You don't want that. You don't want surface coming off in flakes down there, mate. I don't. If it gets wet, well, then you're in trouble. <laughs> After all that water, it can't get yeah. wet. <laughs> I don't bother about weather forecasts myself. Yeah, fuck them. I reckon I can do better. <laughs> Fucking hell. Then months after all of this, the critics start discussing the pitch on the day of the match. If a batsman goes out, he says the wicket's too fast. If a bowler can't get him out, he says it's too slow. Oh. I tell you, it's a worry. And that's what's killed this poor prick, is yep. that what you're saying? Yep. All, the, all through the football season, Bill was preparing for the cricket by rolling the whole ground regularly. Fucking hell. That's why it didn't chop up. Uh-huh. Finn. <laughs> That's where the article's finished. Finn. That's where it finished. So who's this... So... There is no so ghost. Who's so a fucking ghost? Like, there's no ghost because it was just like... I wanted to talk about this fucking... This guy, because he got up late at night to have a look at the cupboard. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, no, I was like, wow, no, a ghost story at the MCG. Cool. That's right, man. That was brilliant. Yeah, thanks, mate. That's because you know I didn't write it. I liked it. You know what? I liked how it just petered out into shit. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's like, oh yeah, and he rolled the whole pitch during the year. Bye. Don't let it get wet after yeah. watering it. Yeah. <laughs> and then rolling it. Then watering it again. And then rolling it to keep it hard. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's uh, pretty much every single haunted story about Korean grounds or cricket. Yeah, that's ever. impressive. So oh, I think we've done it all. So chuck so that one out yep. and we move on. Next idea, Jess. Throw it out. <laughs> It's out of my mind. I can't even remember what I talked about. It's gone. Click, gone. Move on. Next idea, Bilky. Next idea, please. All right. Dinosaurs are creepy. Thank you, Alex, for that very insightful segment. We're having a look now at a bit of international cricket going on at the moment. And um, England uh, hosting Pakistan in a five-game one-day series. First one was washed out. Second one, England were going all guns blazing. Had uh, They were firing away. They were three for 211 in the 36th over when Joe Root went out. In came Josh Butler. <laughs> and uh, Josh? Yeah, Josh. Yeah, yeah. He proceeded to make Josh 110 Butler. of 55 balls. In that, yeah. from the thirty sixth to the 50th over, and so England finished on three for three hundred and seventy three off their fifty overs. That's a run rate just a tick under real, seven and a half. A real Michael Clark style sort of video. Yeah. That one just yeah. noodling them around. Seventy yeah. off a hundred. Yeah. yeah, no boundaries. In reply, it was Fakar, the man who made one hundred and thirty eight off one hundred and six for Pakistan at the top of the order to get him going. But they just fell away a little bit at the end, and they only made 3-6-1. So England won by 12 runs. That was at Southampton. 
So big scores uh, there at Southampton. Mm-hmm. Player of the match, Joss Butler. Match referee, Sir Richie Richardson. Okay, going yeah, to the, the game three. Uh, they met at Bristol. That's a very small ground. Pakistan batted first, made 358 for nine. England chased that down pretty easily. Imam Al-Haq made 151 for Pakistan at the top. 358 looked pretty good. Chris Wokes, 467. Not a bad day's toil for him, but it was uh, John Bairstow at the top of the order for England. 128 off 93 balls. And then a little cameo from Moali at the end, 46 off 36 with four fours and three sixes. Uh, that got them over the line with five overs to spare, so they did it easily. Moving on to the third game, there's a day-nighter at Nottingham, which is a pretty small ground. Trent Bridge, Nottingham. Pakistan, 340 for seven. England just got there with three balls to spare, 341 for seven in the last over. Uh, It was our man Babar Azam, 115 for Pakistan, who was the rock of their innings. Uh, Tom Curran, our man, 4 for 75. And Jason Roy, 114 off 89 balls. And Ben Stokes, not out, 71 off 64, guided them through. They got a little bit wobbly. Josh Butler and Mo Ali went duck-duck in the middle of the order. But um, Tom Curran Curran got 31 (laughs) towards the end and... uh, Ben Stokes saw him home. So Joffrey Archer's been playing for uh, England. Looks like he's going to play in the World Cup too. So there you go. Oh, the Ashes too, yeah. Yep. Jesus, he bowls 140k. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so England have won three high-scoring games, all 340-plus in a row. And tension now turns to yeah. Leeds in a couple of days' time when Game 5 will be played. So interesting. Is there enough room on the um, scorecards, Ross, for those 340s, 350 scores? Interesting you mention that because I just um, just opened up an article on cricketnext.com.au, my favourite, sorry, cricketnext.com, my favourite uh, news website for everything about Cricket Next. Uh, it says that the fan scorecards have been pulped and redesigned in anticipation of 500 run totals. Yeah. Jeez. So, Gigantic scores on flat decks during the England versus Pakistan series has prompted the England Wales Cricket Board to redesign the official fan scorecard to accommodate up to 500 run team totals. Mm. One of the old world charms of any English ground is the printed scorecards that a spectator can buy at the end of the day's play for a pound or two. Yes. (laughs) Ah, so Uh, interesting stuff up because um, England. Yeah, yeah, they they buy them and yeah, tick right. them off and shit. It's like a footy record, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's dumb stuff. Uh, it's surprised they ever printed them less than 500, <laughs> given that England played um, uh, Australia last year and made 481 for six at Bristol. So mm. as if yeah, 400 right. was yeah, ever going to be enough. Like, so they'll have ones for test matches, right? Yeah, they got them for both, everything. So just use the test match ones? Yeah, it's a good point you raise, yeah. to be honest. Well, why would you have two different ones? Maybe they have really like, oh, the power play. Ross, I don't really care. <laughs> well, why did you bring it up then? Have a tally of runs oh, that just ticked off and for the World Cup. They originally designed to go to 400. But in operations meeting last week, Steve Elworthy, the tournament director, oh. realised they'd have to be redesigned Steve with a tally of up to 500. Last week, Steve. Last week, England made 481 last June. 
Uh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Sorted out, Elworthy. Yeah, yeah, fuck you, Steve. That's what I have to say. So back to the cricket, a Pakistan shit, because well, they lost fucking yeah. five nil with their home Daniel to yeah. us. We're that's no it. good. That's no, it. We're guns. Of England are ready. Well, they got. Well, they got coming up. They got to play. They got to play England at Leeds. Then they got their two warm up games. Everyone has two warm up games against um, other World Cup teams. So they're playing Afghanistan, yeah. Bristol on the twenty fourth of May. So those World Cup warm up games are only about four or five days away now. So that's exciting. Mm. Shit. Ooh, yeah. fuck. Australia play England fuck next off. Saturday at Southampton. Mm. And there's, uh, nice. those in Southampton are, are faced with a, a hard cheese situation because um, they've made it through to the Royal London One Day Cup final, Hampshire, and they're playing Somerset at Lords on the same day that England and Australia are playing World Cup warm-up game. So, tough titties, eh? Hey? Fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Tough titties. Flicking the coin there, right? That's it. Someone yeah. go play at the seconds ground, you fucking rippers. <laughs> uh, yes, there you go. And there's a bit of uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth in England at the moment because yeah. they've finally sort of got the 50-over comp right. They said it's been a good comp, no interruptions, other than they've got a bit of a break between the semi-finals that were last weekend and the final, which is next weekend. But they tend to do that, so they don't see that as an issue. Um, yep. They, they rather than they didn't have that one day cup interspersed with county games. It was just the one day cup for about twenty five days or so. And they said it's probably one of the best tournaments they've had of fifty over cricket. And next year, because of the hundred, the fifty over comp is going to be basically teams second elevens playing. So it'd be on at the same time oh. as the hundred. Right. Yes. It's like playing the Big Bash at the same time as the Matador set the yeah. sizzle cuts. That's it. That's... Fuck. They play a lot of cricket over there. Fuck, they play a lot of cricket. Well, the thing is that I looked up and they they finished the one-day tournament and the semi-finals, and then they're having a two-week break to the final. They're playing nine first-class games in ten weeks now. <sighs> awesome. So they, yeah. That is good. They play, and the, the strange thing was that all the... Matches start on a Monday, basically. And I, I felt like, geez, they must have so little time, be so tight for time, that they couldn't even start them on a Thursday because then they wouldn't have enough time or something to get through them all. I'm not really sure. Because the early season one started Thursday and run across the weekend, but these will just be all midweek. But maybe it's part... That's because they all get washed out. Yeah, maybe it's partly to keep out of the World Cup. I know they've got a lot of uh, different grounds being used. The county outgrounds are being used a lot. Uh, this year because yep. of the World Cup. So, yeah, so I read a very interesting article by um, Matthew N. Engel, I think it is, from the Guardian newspaper, and he was quite happy that he was getting to travel out to the county outgrounds with their lack of public transport and poor facilities um, uh-huh. because he... Um, Personally, I was quite happy to piss in a bucket in exchange for a tea time outing in a rowboat at Ilford, several slices of Battenberg cake at Eastbourne, or a wild night on the Golden Mile in Blackpool. Call me old-fashioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Down at embargo. My word. <laughs> yeah, night out of embargo. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, some of the things. English cricket never ceases to amaze what they find interesting. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> What is Battenberg cake, Ross? Oh, you lived over there for a while. Oh, I don't know. It's a nice cake. I've heard of it. It's really rich, I think. 
Yeah. It's like if you took because I was listening to a rival podcast. Yeah. Um, I think it's fry and fry and broad. A, yeah, or broad and fry. Oh yeah, and he was broad. Stu Broad, quite good on it. Yeah. Don't listen to it. Listen to our podcast. Yeah, fuck. But um, he's quite good on it. But you shouldn't listen anyway. But he was talking about batting cakes and how when he was younger they used to sprint off the ground when he was mm. like under thirteens or whatever, and then piss pop try and get the last bit of Battenberg. Cake. Oh, yeah. mm, okay. Right. Didn't explain what it was, but yeah, right, okay. Well, we I suppose we could just put talking. the call out to Google to help us find out what it is. <laughs> no, no. Could could uh, one of the two? English correspondents, please tell us One what that is. One of our two cakes. listeners, yeah. just yeah. let us know what it is. Maybe it's on a par with um, Pavlova or something, you know. Iconic. Vanilla slice. Food yeah. cake. Devil's food yeah. cake. Yep. All that stuff. <laughs> Fruits of the forest. Tart. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Black forest cake. Black forest cake. Matt forest Coles, cake. Coles, no name. <laughs> Dark fruit cake, yeah, that one. Yeah. Sponge, <laughs> caramel sponge. Shut up. Mud cake. Oh, mud cake. All right, boys, buy favourite cakes. Let's go. What are they? <laughs> Your five favourite World Cup cricket cakes. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, into Marmel Huck. He looks like a bit of a cream puff. Put him in there. Yeah. Okay, what? Uh, mine's carrot cake, Ross. Okay, okay. Do you contain any nuts? Yeah. Carrot cake, carrot cake. Do you contain no, any no. nuts? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little Britain reference. <laughs> Checking what the cakes have got in them. Anyway, move on. Uh, more international cricket. West Indies, Bangladesh and Ireland have been going at it in a three-way tournament in Dublin. And... Um, West Indies and Bangladesh came out on the top of the three-way tussle. <laughs> With the eventual champion being Bangladesh. They beat him Duckworth-Lewis. So, well done, Bangladesh. Yeah, They're looking a bit better. They, they knocked off the Windies a couple of times during the round robin. And um, just so they get a little bit of practice here, I don't know why more teams aren't doing this. Uh, Ireland are hosting Afghanistan in three ODIs. The first is on now. Ireland batting first, two for 48 off 11. So they're going all right. It's interesting Australia chose not to go down the path of playing some cricket in England before the World Cup. They're too busy looking at war sites. Yeah, we're running up and down the scenes. <laughs> Reenacting re- a cricket photo. Making yeah. sure everyone likes war. Nothing, nothing would help you play cricket in England, Nick, and overcome difficulties like being in Turkey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I've always said. <laughs> you have said that. That's just quite yeah. said, that'll be on your gravestone. <laughs> no matter where you go, if we're playing New Zealand in New Zealand, via Turkey. <laughs> Always via <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> Even if we're playing New Zealand um, in Australia, you go via Turkey. <laughs> in Brisbane, via Turkey. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> First via test of the Uh, and uh, just before we head to listener feedback I've just got a quote from you from Raul Dravid bowling will play a big role in the World Cup fuck 50% 50% yeah something like that 50% maybe a little bit bowling does make it easy to score runs so yeah we'll have a big run Yes. Uh, well, you can't bowl a team and, uh, bowl, a, I suppose, can uh, you? Quick update on um, 
England-Pakistan. The fifth game has started and England are batting and they're one for 77 off 8.3 overs. Jen, John Besto, 23, not out. And Jim Vince, 33, but he's out. <laughs> oh, boy, Shah. Shah Afridi, not Shahid. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, that's about all that's happening in the world of cricket at the moment. Lots of preparations for the World Cup. I'll just uh, swing around the table and see if anyone's got any listener feedback for us. Uh, before we go to listener feedback, oh, yeah. we'll just uh, talk about what we learnt today. So um, we talked about Kate Hutchison, the media manager. She's now at Swimming Australia. So you can oh, the fact-checking. Sorry, David. That's, That's it. 1999 World Cup. Um, top five run scorers were Raul Dravid, Steve Waugh, Surab Ganguly, Mark Waugh and Saeed Anwar. Uh, we mentioned Jeff Allett and Shane Warne. Uh, third was Glenn McGrath, followed by Lance Klusner and Saklane Mushtaq. Uh, there was 11 centuries scored. Five of those were by Indian cricketers, Tendulkar, Dravid, Ganguly, and Jadeja. Uh, we mentioned the 1999 referendum. The no got up by 54% to 45%. Battenberg cake is a light sponge with pieces covered in jam. The cake is covered in marzipan and when cut into a cross section, displays a distinctive two by two check pattern, alternately colored pink and yellow. Main ingredients according to Google Gin, flour. (laughs) (laughs) Good. That sounds absolutely delightful. I can see why Stu Broad pitch bolted off a game with under 15s or whatever he played. uh, That's what we've learnt today. All right, thank you, David. And now we can head to some listener feedback. Dino told me he liked the um, fact-checking. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, he told me he liked my segment should do more of it. All right, so let's not do any more of it then. <laughs> he, told, he told me he thought I was the best host out of the four of us and I should keep doing what I'm doing because <laughs> I do it really well. Well, that's Mick, easy. what did he say to you, Mick? He congratulated me on swearing so that we got our explicit rating back. On that uh, dull note, we're all on all major social media and podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, are. and Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> bit off cricket, our website. We've got that going. Next podcast in a fortnight. I think that'll make it June, which means the World Cup will be in full swing so look forward to a rollicking Ooh. good uh, episode 94 cricket world cup special haven't done a world cup podcast we'll before so fans. look out i imagine it'll be really good once in a lifetime cricket I've world got cup a few podcast. extra ideas up my sleeve yeah, yeah oh yes world please cup ross podcast. sizzle yeah. there's that sizzle yeah. yeah got some really good ideas we're going to go back and have a look at um how many uh, spectators attended the 1979 final and how many of them had shirts on and oh, how many didn't. Oh, 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 that'll get the listeners in. Okay. I'm also going to see that how how many teams participated in 1979 through to the peak in 2007. There were 16. Mm-hmm. And if, they, if the World Cup kept growing at that rate, how many teams would be playing in this World Cup? There you go. Oh, it's a little bit of sizzle for did, you. Did, Extrapolate it sizzle out. Sizzle isn't exciting. telling exactly what's yeah. going to happen, Ross. Um, you know what else I want to hear, Ross? The, um, the differences in the body mass index of players from 1970-something <laughs> to the 2000 World Cup. I'm also, I'm also going to read it in, in a highly entertaining fashion. Every team who's played in a Cricket World Cup. Yeah. 
That'd be really. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be yeah, good. Yeah. East Africa, yeah, smart yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Angola. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, pretty much. I've just done the running sheet for next time, so just take a mental That's note it. of that, and we'll <laughs> we'll do that and <laughs> yeah. a bit of that. Or go back and listen to it. Through. Yep. Yeah. I won't go back. And this. All right, let's go. Uh, See this is. This this is where you're better, mate. Who likes a bit of waffle at the end of the app? Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. make sure I put the music <laughs> over the top you... of most of this. Yeah, yeah, so you can just barely <laughs> yeah. hear it. Yeah, just, yeah. like the logies. So right. Thanks, just, everyone. Ross, it's only you talking, like no one else, Ross. Yeah. Just your voice oh, okay. talking and just muttering about. Okay, it. well I'll, I'll do All a bit right, more of that too. Cool. Okay, thanks, everyone. Yeah. See you yeah, later. Good, good. Bye. See ya. See ya. Bye. Good episode. This is a little bit extra for the Patreon contributors that can listen to this bit. (laughs) (laughs) What's the other thing all those podcasts do? They read out all their Patreon contributors.